Some things we swear we remember exactly. A movie quote, the name of a book, the death of a celebrity, but then we find out we were wrong. Is this revelation the correction of some false memory, the result of glitches in our brains, or are we flip-flopping between dimensions and alternate realities? This week's episode is The Mandela Effect. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. I feel like that I need to tell you a thing that happened to me yesterday. Please. My sister and I were in Los Angeles to see Dick Van Dyke, which Mm -hmm. was amazing. And we were looking for a dinner spot. And she showed me a place on Yelp called The Beetle House. And it is a Tim Burton-themed restaurant. Nice. And I had no idea what I was expecting. I didn't read reviews. I didn't look. She showed me some brief pictures, and it just looked like everything had black light or kind of purple. Yeah. Which you would expect. Just Beetlejuice everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we showed up, and a man says, hello, are you ready for the experience? And I was like, I don't know. And we walk around a corner. You say, absolutely, I am. I know. I was like, uh, what? And we walk in, and they slam a door, and you're in this like book ha- like a book room, and then someone just started screaming at me through a megaphone. What were they screaming? He was like, "You're in purgatory. You're dead." Oh, we- like Beetlejuice? I guess so. And he said, "I know how you died." And I said, "Autoerotic asphyxiation." And he was like, "No, I was gonna say jaywalking." I was like, "Okay, also valid thing that I could do." <laughs> um, so then you go in. And it's a bar on one side and then a restaurant through this other set of doors. And you have servers that are just normally dressed, but then walking around are characters. And So we, it's like Magic Time Machine. Yes, but Magic Time Machine. Right at home? I did. But we talked about it because at Magic Time Machine, the servers, the characters are the servers. So yeah. it does kind of take you out of the experience if, you know, Superman's like, I'll save the day. Do you want the chicken strips? Right, with right. The, you know, do you want the shrimp shooters? Yeah. And so in this case, the servers did the business and then the actors could act. The Beetlejuice... Knocked my socks off. Really? I mean, both of them. It was Mad Hatter and Beetlejuice, and they were both phenomenal. I am not as familiar with the Alice in Wonderland, so I couldn't... I mean, I've seen clips, so he was very accurate. But the guy doing Beetlejuice, it turns out he's doing it at Universal Studios for, like, decades. Oh, nice. He's phenomenal. He sounds exactly like him. He was... The makeup was insane. That's it was, awesome. My sister is a huge Beetle... I love Beetlejuice as well, but Shannon loves it even more than I do. And she was just... at the In the middle of it, they just come... And they sing day oh day, oh, and fun. you dance around in a conga line. Like, throwing what kind of nothings. food was it? Okay, that's the thing. Magic Time Machine for those outside of DFW <laughs> is a restaurant where people dress up as characters and serve you. It's kind of like Pulp Fiction, the Jackrabbit Slims in Pulp Fiction, where they serve you. But Magic Time Machine food is like frozen. It is some of the worst food I've ever had. It's awful. And I worked it's there. Inedible. I was Dorothy. I dressed up as Dorothy briefly. Batgirl. I dressed up as Minnie Mouse one time. And then my last day, I dressed up as Abraham Lincoln. The manager said, you cannot come in here dressed as Abe Lincoln. And I knew that they were short-staffed. And I'm like, he's not going to send me home. So and it was my last day. So I came dressed as Lincoln. It was great. But the food was trash. At Beetle House, shockingly, the food was amazing. And they had so many gluten-free 
First of all, I did not get paid for this endorsement. I'm just excited anytime there's a I restaurant. Would, I would love if we did because I'd like to check this you place out. Go. It's in Los what Angeles. What did you order? What food so did you So you go. Order? It's a prefix menu, which is actually very convenient. Um, and so it's appetizer, entree, dessert. So my appetizer, I got the Dietz cocktail. So they were these big Bye. ass prawn shrimp. Oh, and it was yeah. five of them. So it looks like the yeah, hand yeah, yeah. and Beetlejuice. And there's a, a little cauldron underneath with dry ice. So it's oh, smoking. Fun. And then I had salmon with succotash, and the salmon was very good. Was that a, a themed? Oh, oh, it was called Big Fish, because Tim Burton directed oh, Big yeah. Fish. Great and film. then I had a chocolate, uh, gluten-free chocolate cake that with raspberry drizzle on it, so it kind of looked like blood. I don't remember what the cake was called. Was there any Edward Scissorhand stuff? There, maybe one of the menu items was named after it. We were saying I feel different... like instead of knives, they should have scissors. <laughs> you have to cut your food with scissors. <laughs> well, we were saying, oh, so then the Mad Hatter sat down and he was, he scared the shit out of me. He was popping up behind me. He was great. His voice was really good. His, and the costumes, well, think at Magic Time Machine, you get like a hundred dollar costume budget. These people, their costumes were spot on high quality nice. the wig on the mad hatter guy i hope it was a wig because it's otherwise it's shoulder length red curly hair i hope it was his hair <laughs> and they i said oh so are you guys the only characters and he said no if you come on saturday night chucky is here did tim burton direct chucky no. child's play no i was gonna say i didn't think so I go, wait, he just, he's just a crossover. That's what I said. I go, just pops in. Why? And he was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know either. And so I was, we were saying, what other Tim Burton characters should they have? And I was like, oh, Edward Scissorhands. Definitely. You can't talk really, right? Doesn't he not talk in the movie? Not really. I don't think you have to talk to be like that's that, what i was thinking that effective of a character i like think that. if you sold it you know with your yeah, eyes and yeah. stuff you would be okay you um, just cut people's hair while they eat <laughs> you're like you will it's like trail dust in dallas if you go and you're wearing a yeah, necktie cut it right off it's a honky tonk they'll just cut it off yeah. you know that's gonna happen they're like you will or cut he it. does the uh, shrubberies outside <laughs> that's right you just stand outside and do the shrubberies it was a delight beetle house that's fun if you're in los angeles wild stuff i'll post a video i uh had i made a video with beetlejuice talking about what his favorite shockingly what his favorite true crime uh macabre podcast is oh what is it is it oh is it wow that's crazy (laughs) what a crazy that is crazy um but i want to post the video just to show you how good of a beetlejuice it was we were man we were so tickled it was so much fun that's awesome it was a very i felt like i was in another world because you just i had no idea that's probably what they're going for so i do what to expect and it was so weird well did you have an experience i had an amazing were you ready for it i was not ready for it but you're glad you had it oh my gosh (laughs) i was it was down to the detail they had you know the banister's going down some stairs were wrapped with like white i'm sure white tape or something and it was so it looks like beetlejuice stripes it was really good it was crazy stuff nice crazy I'm glad you had fun i just want to tell you that as i think you would appreciate it. you should go i i my brothers live in la so maybe yeah I the will. next time you visit it's a cool horror kind of creepy i will I'll check it out and outside on their patio you know on beetlejuice whenever he takes over the miniature area and he makes it look like a strip club and it says dante's inferno yeah. Their their back patio has that oh, that's out there. Fun. It's really cool. So it was cool. It was a weird, cool experience. Fun. And so much gluten-free. <laughs> that's cool. The, all of Los Angeles, I would order like a kicked puppy. I would say, I'm sorry, I can't have wheat or gluten. Oh, uh, God. Of all the places, every place so used to it. Mel's drive-in was like, yeah, we have gluten-free toast, obviously. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It was a magical place full of gluten-free food. 
Los Angeles, a magical place. It was a, You're not the first to say it. Overwhelming place, but magical nonetheless. Yes. And I went to two wax museums in one day. It was a whole deal. That's it too was much. That's too <laughs> I'll talk about museum. it on Mixed Bag. <laughs> I'll save it for the Mixed Bag. Well, another thing that's overwhelming. Overwhelming alternate dimension. That's one theory. You can't believe your memory. That's that's the creepier part of this whole yes. thing to me is how unreliable our, our brains. own brains are. Our brains are garbage. Our brains are garbage. And I are I've said before I have a terrible memory, especially of like my childhood. There's complete years in my life that may as well not have happened. Shana says I have that zero recollection of them. But it's creepy to me that yeah, your brains can only store so much. So mm-hmm. then it just it starts rewrites. filling in the gaps of of what you think you know it's so weird too when you see something and it triggers something and you think oh i know that how do i know that and then you start going through the files in your brain but i think i remember a lot of my childhood but honestly there's tons of video footage of it and i remember that yeah i'm not remembering no when i remembering the last time you remembered something exactly yeah yeah and also there are things of my childhood that. I have no recollection of when over Christmas, my brother was showing me some pictures he found. I'm like, I have no memory of like, who is that? this. Yeah. And it was like we were on a on a trip or I mean, a lot of them I'm young, but I have no memory. And it's bizarre to look at these pictures and think that was my li- life. That was me. I experienced this. Your existence was there completely. I it it I would never have any idea that that happened if yeah, I had nothing. not been shown a picture of it. That's crazy, isn't it though? Because and then that that's the question of like what is consciousness and what is yeah. reality and existence. Yeah, if you don't recall existing in a place, do you still have? Did you still exist there? And I mean, yes. Well, that's a big thing that this shitty movie that I watched called The oh, Mandela Effect. I'm so glad touched that, on. So glad that you watched that. Oh man! Afterwards, Tommy goes. Oh, he that was a bunch of four star bullshit. <laughs> yeah, because it was rated four stars on Prime. We had to pay five dollars to watch it. Oh my god, who rated it, it five was stars? Not, I don't know. Probably who the actors. <laughs> Can I just tell you? I only read the clip by clip recap on Buzzfeed on Buzzfeed, and I felt like I was robbed, and I didn't have well, to pay I didn't, for that. I you sent me the clip, the link to the article, and I didn't read it because I didn't want it to get spoiled. Good. Good. Had I. I would not have watched it because in the first five minutes, his freaking six-year-old daughter drowns. <laughs> That's like horrifying. And I just look at Tommy. I go, uh, "What?" And he goes, "What have you done?" And I was like, "I don't know." Heather sent me the link to this. I, I didn't know say, what I'm watching. Hey, go watch this movie. The link was like, "FYI, there's a movie." Oh man. Well, I mean, in reality, honestly, it's so poorly done that you don't really feel that emotionally connected <laughs> to anybody Louise. to like be that upset by it. But. uh yeah, so it's called the Mandela Effect, which oh is gosh. what we are talking about this week. Yeah, I'm Christy. I'm Heather, and this is a this is fun and interesting. This is a, a viewer request or a viewer listener request. V- yeah, yeah, viewer request. We are <laughs> now uh, filming all of our. <laughs> I know it's, people ask that. You know, Joe Rogan films his podcast, and I'm like, yeah, it's boring. It's fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess. You get you see that I'm wearing. What do you want to see? The same long sleeve SMU t shirt that I wear almost. It's I'm either wearing this a Seinfeld long sleeve t shirt or a Sinisterhood yeah. t shirt. That's it. I look like a uh, weird school teacher right I like now. That sweater though it looks wearing crazy. like a uh, <laughs> like like I'm a, a psychology adjunct professor exactly- type cardigan. 
and uh, yoga pants. Also wearing yoga pants. And yeah, uh, some fake Uggs. I Uggs. Have wacky porcupine socks. Yeah. So, so that's what you would see. And our hair, our, both of our hairs are just pulled back into a ponytail. Uh, yeah. Uh, I have, I'm just trying to think of the last time I washed mine. Saturday? What's today? Today's Monday. Yeah, I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Yeah, my birthday was Saturday. So happy Saturday. birthday. Thank hey. you. Thank you very much. Yeah, please don't look at us. So, yeah, so that's why we don't film anything. There's no. nothing to see. There's nothing here. to see here. Nothing to see here. Um if someone wanted to animate it, I'd be fine with that. But that's Oh yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. That'd be fine. But this is a listener request. The first time someone requested this was my brother in law, actually. Oh yeah. We've had a couple of people request this. And then we've so. had yeah, several requests. So here you go, guys. So let's get into it. The phrase the Mandela Effect was born at the 2009 Dragon Con, the largest sci-fi and fantasy convention in the nation. As presenters chatted amongst themselves in the green room, a conversation took place that led Shadow, Dragon Con's chief of security, to remark, This conversation reminds me of people who remember Nelson Mandela dying like decades ago. Shadow's a, um, gonna say it's not his Christian name. <laughs> it's a given Christian name. <laughs> but it is his, the name that he demands that people call him now. <laughs> exactly. He's like, hey, look at the back of my shirt. It says Shadow on it. <laughs> it also says security. <laughs> Head of security. Also in the room was world renowned paranormal researcher Fiona Broom. Fiona, intrigued by this concept, took this idea and developed the website MandelaEffect.com as a way for others to discuss if they also had this shared memory. As it turned out, thousands of people did. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. The Mandela Effect is a shorthand way to describe the cultural phenomenon of false memory. Psychologists and experts refer to false memory as a situation in which a subject very clearly holds a memory with high confidence of an event that either never occurred or occurred differently than the subject remembers. But according to MandelaEffect.com, a hidden history may exist beyond what we all have collectively accepted as reality. The Mandela Effect theory is that those of us with these false memories actually used to live in the same parallel universe together. Well, at least we get to stay together. <laughs> if we're all going to cross over. I want us to stay together. Have you visited the MandelaEffect.com website? Yeah, it's real good. Have you... Listen to Fiona Broom. No, I have not. Hmm. Hmm. She's a... Do I need to take a minute? She... I w as I was listening to her, I had a very clear picture of what I imagined she looks like. And then I Googled her. I was like, spot on. She... She looks like a paranormal researcher who would dedicate her life to thinking that we all live in a parallel universe together or that we're in the Matrix. I love her. <laughs> She's a, a, one of America's top psychic ghost researchers. She is, yes. And what a title for one to have. I love her so much. The original name, the Mandela Effect, comes from a shared public memory that Nelson Mandela, the South African anti-apartheid political leader, actually died in prison in the 1980s. Researcher Fiona Broom, who runs MandelaEffect.com, wrote, I thought I remembered it clearly, complete with news clips of his funeral, the mourning in South Africa, some rioting in cities, and the heartfelt speech by his widow. Then I found out he was still alive. And Broom is not alone. It is a widely recognized phenomenon that many people, now connected online, have experienced. It's such a strange, specific thing. Very. 
Do you did you do you have this memory? I always thought he was dead. I remember when the Matthew. It wasn't until the Matt Damon movie came out. Morgan Freeman, Matt Damon, aren't they both in that movie? Invictus. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think it's about the soccer team. In oh yeah, anti-apartheid or whatever. When that movie came out, I was like, "Oh, that's weird," because he's dead. And then when I, I guess I read the, uh, you know, kind of like the uh, summary of the movie or whatever, I thought, "Oh, I guess he maybe." He was I there. think I don't have a memory of his funeral and all those things. No. but I think I just kind of always did think he was dead because maybe that's what I had heard from other people that mm-hmm. have this memory of it. Yeah, you but I don't know. think I really gave that much thought to it. As much as some of the other ones that we'll get into. I think the main lesson is that uh, school systems around the world have failed us. That <laughs> so many people didn't know enough about this Nelson Mandela person, yeah. who is incredibly important. Yeah. And when you read about, I, you know, the the episode's not about him personally, but I just went through and kind of read about his history. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he did was, so much. We should all be learning. We should do we a whole not, episode on his life. There should not be any... Uh, confusion over whether or not he's alive or dead. Mind blowing. And yeah. then you think, well, first of all, you don't hear enough about this guy yeah. in history that you should. And then second of all, no, well, of course, no wonder everybody was misled because it's not as covered as it should be. Yeah. Well, Nelson Mandela did not die in jail. He served 27 years as a political prisoner before being released in 1990. Four years later, he ran for president of South Africa and won the election. He then served until 1999, when he decided not to seek re-election. Mandela remained a political activist for many years until he became ill in 2013. In December of that year, he succumbed to his prolonged battle with a respiratory infection and died at the age of 95 at his home in South Africa. However, MandelaEffect.com has aggregated hundreds of memories of people who remember a different demise for the leader. One user said, I remember Mandela's funeral being on the news in the UK in the 1980s. At the time, I was just a kid, and I didn't have a clue who Mandela was. Well, there's one. You didn't know who it was. (laughs) Another said, I too remember Mandela dying in prison right before he was to be released. I thought, this won't be good. The South Africans will think he was killed or something. It was on CNN headline news around lunchtime. I was in high school, so uh, it was in the 80s. The memories go on and on, all the same that sometime in the late 1980s, the news announced the death of Nelson Mandela. Well, and here's the thing. Sometimes celebrity deaths get wrongly reported. All the time. And there's this drama of, like, Keanu Reeves died. You know how many times, yeah, we've thought Keanu Reeves died. I worry every day that Dick Van Dyke (laughs) is dead. There's one that was going around uh, for a while that Tom Hanks died. I mean, that's right, Tom Hanks. Yeah, and you'll check Facebook, and it's like, this person died, and then you... Henry Winkler or whatever. And then it's like, yeah, Snopes is like, this person is not dead. They're on Twitter. I'm still here. I'm here. I'm very much alive. I'm not dead yet. But usually that's cleared up in a matter of minutes, an hour. It doesn't go on for years. I feel like even in the 80s, though, if this would have been reported on CNN or any kind of ABC News, World News Tonight with Peter Jennings or whatever, and they accidentally reported that he died and then reported that he lived, that would be, there would be evidence of that. Absolutely. There's... No one can find news footage Mm -mm. of any of these things people remember. Mm -hmm. They just all claim to have this vivid memory of it. And it's that's the question, though, is that, you know, she's aggregated all these memories that they say, oh, in the 1980s, I saw a news report and I saw people mourning. I saw people in the street writing. I saw this and that. Well, is it that somebody personally remembered that or someone thought Nelson Mandela, he's probably dead. And then you go and read other people's memories yes. and then it starts getting muddled. And then you start to think, 
It, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I do remember that when really you don't have that memory. Mm-hmm. Your brain is just connecting all of these pieces. Connecting dots, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that isn't the only memory that falls under the Mandela effect. We all remember the beloved children's book series chronicling the life of a bear family living out life lessons written by a World War II era duo named Stan and Jan. If you asked many people, they would tell you they're called the Berenstein Bears. But the authors of those adorable cartoons actually named the bear family after themselves, the Berenstains. Stan and Jan, Berenstain. <laughs> I, okay, so here's another thing. I've always said Berenstain. Same. This movie... I'm just calling it this movie. The Mandela <laughs> Effect movie. <laughs> the It's very heavy handed. Within the first five, Tommy goes, is this 40 minutes long? Because like within the first, it's not. But just they toss everything at you very quickly. And they call them. He's like, you remember the, the book about those bears? And the guy's like, yeah, the Berensteins. And they're calling it the Berensteins. It's a third reality. <laughs> so we, now we have... Three universes happening. Berenstein, Berenstain, Berenstein. Berenstein. That's too many. Berenstef. There's so many Berens. There's too many Berens. Yeah, but I've always, I'd never heard somebody call it Berenstein before. That's not it. But I have always called it Berenstein. I have too. Folks began noticing online as early as 2009 with various blog posts and YouTube videos covering the idea. The subreddit Glitch in the Matrix took on this story. That forum describes itself as a place for eyewitness events that cannot be explained with critical thinking. An entire subreddit for the Mandela Effect was created shortly thereafter, where many more theories blossomed. The Steen versus Stain theory gained traction in 2015 when Run the Jewels rapper LP went on a tweeting spree that went viral. He wondered at what point the name was changed from Berenstein with an E to Berenstein with an A which spurred many Twitter users to reply that they had had the same experience. Yeah, it was kind of already floating around on the internet, and then he had such a large following that then exploded to even more people. That wouldn't Huge be... Run the Jewels fan. Oh, really? Nice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you, are you familiar? I, I haven't listened to new music in about a year and a half. Well, they're, they're more than a year and a half. Maybe five to ten years ago. <laughs> I don't know. They, the last um, new song I remember is Ariana Grande, Side to Side. And now, they, oh, thank you, next. I remember that. It's about Pete Davidson. If they cover uh, John Mayer, you would I listen. would know that. Okay. Yes. I know okay. the new well, music. they don't. Well, but, I can uh, tell you a new Backstreet Boys album came out a couple years ago. Uh-oh. Uh, Run the Jewels are great, though, and uh, highly recommend. Okay, I will but take yeah, a listen. So, um he kind of got this whole thing started. Yes. And for people more in the mainstream versus those who may be uh, crawling around on the glitch in the matrix or Mandela yeah. effect subreddits. Entire online communities have sprouted to collectively sanity check one another as to whether it was Steen or Stain. One Reddit user claims to have found the truth, unearthing an ancient VHS cassette tape with the Baron Steen spelling printed clearly on the label. Rather than a case of corporate sloppiness, some maintain that this means that, in fact, we are in an alternate timeline wherein the Berenstein spelling is a glitch, revealing that we are all being tricked. That's exactly what it is. Is it or is it? <laughs> well, my th- well, I'll get into my theory in a second. However, in the movie, um, the whole. OK, so this is there is the Berenstein Berenstein there kind of like key that they say, oh, look, the book changed. That's one of them. Okay. There's 
uh, well, I'll talk about the movie at the end because okay. several of the things that we talked about of questions. are in the movie. And then I will give my official review of the movie oh, and, so and synopsis of it. I'm so excited. Well, being in a glitch may not necessarily be the case. Seventeen Magazine published a photo of a 13-inch mama bear doll where the family name was spelled the Berenstain Bears with an A at the top of the tag. There below in a different font, it read... 13-inch Mama Berenstein Bear, meaning there were two spellings on the same product. What was going on in the 80s and 90s? It was loose. Dude, a lot. It a was lot. Cocaine. <laughs> cocaine was, came on the scene. That was a big thing. It's right above it. We'll post a picture on the Instagram. I have this picture. And it's the cutesy little logo. And then right underneath, it's Berenstein with an E. This is what I think has happened with this, is Berenstein seems like a typo. Yeah, that's if true. you were just reading that, if I was reading that, I would think I've never heard that name before. I imagine that somebody meant to put Berenstein and mm-hmm. put an E there. So I think a lot of this was just people making judgment calls on their own, <laughs> changing stuff on their own. Yeah. And then there were just like two names floating out there. And then because it was misspelled so many times, it sort of gets lodged in your brain. Yeah. And yeah. So I think it I think we. We all did see that spelling. I don't. Correct. I don't I mean, think I'm crazy. No, the VHS tape. We have a photo of that, and yeah. we have a photo of the tag. It's clearly on there. Yeah. Jean Brewer, an associate professor of cognitive psychology at Arizona State University, said in an interview with Mental Floss. There were studies in the 1980s that showed when students were exposed to misspelled words in an education setting as a way to test their spelling proficiency, the misspelled words got recorded in their memory and interfered with their ability to spell the words correctly in the future. Could this failure to proofread toys and videos in the 1980s have led to a collective false memory, or did this tag get stuck between realities? The tag got stuck between realities. (laughs) Because when they jump the train tracks, the time train tracks, things get Who, lost. The little bears? No, the the time trains. Berenstein Bears on. jump the track. That was such a good show. Berenstein Bears. I had so many of their books, and I had their books, and I would watch their cartoon on PBS, and mm-hmm. I just have such. You know when you have memories of something, and I don't remember, like I don't remember exact episodes or whatever, but you just think I have a warm feeling about that. Yeah. It feels like a hug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Did you, looking back at it, you think of it as Berenstein? For sure. Yeah, Forever. Same. I'll die first. I, I, I really do, I too. I never say Berenstein. But I think that that's what it was. I think we did see these misspellings, mm-hmm. and therefore, we saw them so much that it just got logged in our brains as the right ones. Just like Professor Brewer said. Professor Gene Brewer. Nailed it. Well, in 1996, basketball legend Shaquille O'Neal starred in the children's movie Kazam. He plays a genie who is summoned not from a lamp, but from a boombox and changes the life of the young protagonist, Max. The movie was a financial flop, failing to earn its cost back at the box office and received unfavorable reviews, with Rotten Tomatoes giving it an overall rating of 6% fresh out of 100. It's 94% bad. That's fantastic. (laughs) When asked why he would make such a film, Shaq told GQ magazine in 2012, I was a medium-level juvenile delinquent from Newark who always dreamed of doing a movie. Someone said, hey, here's $7 million. Come in and do this genie movie. What am I going to do? Say no? So I did it. Hey, good for you, man. <laughs> for $7 million bucks, I'm in. If, yeah. If for a million dollars. Yes. I mean, it might be a stupid movie, but you're like, I have $7 million now. Also, making a movie is fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was probably fun to be on set and be a genie and get out of your, get off the court for a while. To wear a cool vest. Doing, doing something else. But if the movie was such a flop, why did studios write its coattails and make a nearly identical movie called Shazam, starring 1990s comedic legend Sinbad shortly thereafter? That's just it. They didn't. Despite legions of fans online remembering very distinctly seeing Sinbad in a genie's costume, getting into antics with two young kids, no such film actually exists. Yes, it does. I'm a, I'm a Shazam truther. Have you seen this movie? Yes, I saw this movie as a child and it is real. What happens in it? In this movie, it's about two kids and they ask Shazam for a wish that they can't get granted. And he's so funny. I've never seen either Shazams. I've never seen Kazam. I oh, knew I haven't seen Kazam or Shazam. Well, Shazam is real. It's in your heart. We I all believe. Uh, well, in 2016, the internet went wild upon the collective realization that Shazam starring Sinbad didn't really exist. In an interview with the New Statesman American, a former video store clerk named Don said, I had to handle the two copies we owned dozens of times over the years, and I had to watch it multiple times to look for reported damages to the tape. Rewind it, check it in, rent it out, and put it on boxes out for display rental. When Don found out Shazam didn't actually exist, he told reporters, It feels like a part of my childhood has now been stolen from me. How how does a movie simply vanish from our history? Man, Don, heartbreaking horse. You ruined this man's life. (laughs) This interview, I mean, obviously we'll post it in the show notes. He's like... I will search until I find the safe. Good for that's his. It's his nine eleven. He's going to get to the bottom of this. He's like, I have to solve this. I is the biggest thing that's happened to this guy because wow. he feels so. It's just such a way that it can take your confidence and just totally rattle and shatter it. Well, it's not just this movie. It makes you question your own sanity. We are in a simulation. What <laughs> is this? Yeah, that you're you're like no. I clearly remember that. So then you think. If I'm not right about that, what else could I be wrong about? Yeah, it starts to fuck with you. It's gaslighting. Hardcore. Well, in response to the frenzy, Sinbad tweeted, Have you noticed no one my age has seen this so-called Sinbad genie movie? Only you people who were kids in the 90s. The young mind. Only it wasn't one or two young minds. Swarms of Redditors collectively pooled their memories. They all remembered clearly that Sinbad played an incompetent genie, accidentally summoned by two young kids who lost their mom. The kids asked for Sinbad to make his dad fall in love, only to be told that's not the kind of wish a genie can grant. What a film. Sounds like a good plot. So good. If it had happened. (laughs) He should make it now. Yeah. Honestly, what is Sinbad doing? He should make it. Fucking make this movie. He's he's touring and does comedy. And on his interview with The Good One, they said, oh, what do you do to write material? And he's just like, I don't. I just get up there and I'm Sinbad. I was like, I would watch that so much. I, I like that. When the 2019 Shazam movie was released starring Zachary Levi as a 14-year-old who, upon shouting the word Shazam, turns into an adult superhero, the Sinbad Shazam theory was brought back into the public consciousness. Levi told reporters he'd been asked about the 1990s Sinbad version of Shazam, only to come up empty when he tried looking it up. Yeah, he was on it. I think he's on a panel at Comic-Con and he said... I, everyone said, oh, yeah, there's already a movie called. There's already a Shazam out there. So I went to Google it, and I can't I can't find it. It doesn't exist. Hot. Zachary Levi? Yes. He's he's good looking. I want to clarify, right? he is not 14 in this movie. Correct. It's a 14-year-old boy. He is a grown boy. man. He is, he's playing a 14-year-old boy that gets becomes an adult. He's the grown-up version. He's yes, the Tom he Hanks. Chuck on Chuck. 
He's the Tom Hanks of big. Yes, you yes, know, yes. There's a little yeah. boy who becomes a man. He's the man part. I watched an interview with him the other day on Wendy Williams' show. My mom loves Wendy Williams. Oh, my God. And my sister, too. That does not surprise me. <laughs> she is. My mom also loves Dr. Phil. Yeah. She loves Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil and Wendy Williams should have their own reality show where they're just forced to live in the same house with each other. A studio apartment. And <laughs> it's just 24-7. It's like Big Brother style. Everything is filmed around the clock. And only one comes out. <laughs> they can decide who it is. So what you're describing the, is a cage match. <laughs> the world can only live with one of them. From um, now on. I don't want to spoiler alert, but I went to the Dr. Phil Studios and I want to talk about it for the Patreon. Oh, in L.A.? Oh, yes. I didn't know he filmed in L.A. Oh, yes. I was in there. Wait, but, you saw him do a show? I did not see him, uh, but I went to the studios and saw some You s- felt him? Oh, God. He felt his presence. Saw some secrets. Oh. Yeah. Like a big sign that says, I am not really a doctor. Don't listen to anything I say. (laughs) Pretty much. I went to his alma mater. That's right. You went to UNT. I did. Yes. And he is not well respected there. Um, Rumor has it that his license got pulled there because of unfavorable behavior with a patient whoops whoopsie whoopsie daisies uh it was fun to watch the tour guide try to explain to two canadians and three british people who dr phil was <laughs> and it was just there because it was why did air condition i mean you just had like you can go into whatever set was open and that one happened to be open uh, and so i think the people were like can we see like um, big bang theory like why are we here <laughs> can we see something that we've seen you know who invented the big bang theory me Well, always a good sport. Sinbad had even teamed up with College Humor back in 2017 to release a parody of his non-existent film, purporting to be found footage. It's actually, it's pretty funny. Did you watch it or no? No, I haven't seen that. I'll put it in the show notes. It's very cute. It's, it looks like a movie I would watch, but they also add in some Mandela effect Easter eggs and they have like Berenstain bears and stuff Mm -hmm. in the background. So I think though... He should make a feature-length film of this movie. It sounds great. I would watch it. Sounds like you already have. I have. But there may be a simpler explanation. On the 1997 VHS tape of Disney's first kid, also starring Sinbad, a preview for the movie Kazam with Shaq aired before the movie. Some have said this created the confusion and false memory for those hell-bent that Sinbad did play a genie at some point. And I saw this on YouTube. Somebody this makes sense. popped the VHS in the tape player and recorded it on their phone. And it is, it's uh, Kazam. And have you seen First Kid? It's very funny. No, I have not. It's is about... It, he's the president's son, I and imagine. And then Sinbad is the Secret Service agent. Oh, wait. I think I may have seen they that. They into wacky antics. Yeah, yeah, of course funny. they do. That makes sense to me. Because then your brain kind of pieces together these things and things start to overlap. It's funny because you think for how sure people are about these things that they remember, if you said, where did you go for your 13th birthday? I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. You know, and it's something that you personally did and experienced. And so how would you say, I remember why, you know, and it's weird for me because I feel like I really do remember, but then you really feel like your mind is playing tricks on you. Mm -hmm. But something that it wasn't firsthand experience. It wasn't like... Tell us about I think because you've heard it so many times and you've thought about it so many times. It re-brings it up. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I'll or think reading of, about it. Yeah. I'll think about memories that are probably pretty insignificant, but they're very clear to me. Mm-hmm. And because I don't remember a lot of stuff, I realize those memories are even more vivid, vivid because I've recalled them so many times 
because they are one of the few memories from my childhood I remember. So then, like we've said before, you're not remembering what you did at your eight, your, your birthday when you were eight years old. You're remembering the memory of that and then the, the last memory time. of that. Yeah. So if you think about that a lot, it's more branded and imprinted in your brain than something that you you see a picture of and you're like, oh, wow. I totally forgot about that till you. The other day I was talking to my friend Andrea on New Year's Eve and she's like, do you remember that time we were at that party and we just uh, we thought all the fruit in their fruit bowl was bad and we just peeled all the fruit. And I had not thought of that at all. It was two two New Year's Eves ago. And I was like, I do remember that now that you're telling me. But it's one of those things that I totally forgot about it. But as soon as somebody mentions it to you, it pops back up. So you think if someone said, hey, what were you doing two New Year's ago? That wouldn't be a thing that popped in your head right away? No, no. Yeah. In fact, it may have even been three New Year's. Yeah, but It's so funny to think what, what I always not worry about, but think about is... I have a memory of whatever, you know, an event that we had together. So say we did the last live show we did together. I have maybe five key pieces I remember. And the things you remember are totally different. Probably, yeah. And the things that other Tommy remembers or Paris remembers or my sister or whoever was there remembers are totally different than each other. So it's so fun to have someone like I've been friends with my friend Marilla since we were really little yeah. to have her go, oh, remember when we did X? And like you said, you go, oh my God, I do remember that. And vice versa. But you had never thought about it until she wrote No, it or when yeah. I tell her stuff and she's like, oh God, yeah, I do remember that. And then we do have some shared ones, but it's fun because it's almost become like the shared lore that you have together where that's probably if there was a video recording, we probably got 80% of it right, wrong. Right, right. You know? The yeah. details. My brother will say, remember this? And I'm like, no, I don't remember any of that. Yeah. Wow. And I wish um, I don't I don't I'm not really in contact with any people that I was friends with when I was like in elementary or middle school. I don't even talk to a lot of people I went to high school with. But I am curious how if if we all sat down in a room and rehashed like a year of high school. Yeah. How many things we would would line up. And, you know? and people go, oh, yeah, Christy, remember you were always wearing that pink sweater. Yeah. And you think in your head, did I have a pink sweater? I don't remember that. Or, or you how, think, oh, how I wore that perceived once. by people. That's what I want to know. Like, the, I. The Liz Lemon effect. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you never know. I, somebody said something, something to me the other day. I was actually on Instagram. A listener was like, you always look so well put together in, in all of your outfits and everything on Instagram. Look at me right now. But like that's just every day. It's interesting how like someone perception versus reality. Yeah. Yeah. How someone else like perceives you and you never know how somebody really perceives you. Also to flip it around. It's a good reminder that like you never know what people are going through. So just become someone, you know, looks like they have everything together on the outside. And I'm not even talking about myself right now. I'm just saying it's always a reminder of me like. Try not to judge people because you don't really know like who they who they are or what they do or why they do it. And I think that's, you know, wow, what a conceited person. I think, well, no, maybe I always have to stop myself and go, maybe she's just finally loves herself. Yeah. You know, and it's not like, look at me. It's like, hey, look at me. You never know what people are going through. Yeah. I try to think kindly as much as possible because my first reaction is always mega bitchy. (laughs) So I'm always like, meh. And then I have to say, no, think about let's let's be generous, generous with our thoughts, you know, Mm -hmm. and give somebody the benefit of the doubt. One other explanation of this whole Kazam Shazam could be Sinbad's 1994 appearance in a movie marathon he hosted featuring Sinbad the Sailor movies. In it, he is featured wearing a red turban, flowing shirt, and matching red vest. 
Sinbad tweeted the photo along with the caption, Solve the Sinbad genie mystery. I hosted an afternoon of Sinbad movies in 1994. Sinbad the Sailor movies. Also sounds like a real possibility. And the picture, we can include this either in the show notes or in our posts. He looks exactly like people remember, quote unquote, remember him looking and he's wearing a vest and he's wearing the turban. The best thing about Sinbad the Sailor was when I worked at Magic Time Machine, which again is a themed restaurant where we dressed in costume. There was a guy that chose to be Sinbad the Sailor, who's basically a pirate. He was wearing like a black flowing shirt, red pants and a bandana on his head. And people would go, who are you? And he would go, I'm Sinbad. And they're like, uh, you're white. (laughs) So you got to say the same. He would have to explain Sinbad the Sailor and then every child ever would say, who's that? And I'm like, dude, be the Dread Pirate Roberts. It's the same outfit from the Princess Bride. Yeah. Or was Johnny Depp was Pirates of the Caribbean? There was already a guy that was Johnny Depp. He was real good. Two pirates. They allowed two pirates. Yeah. Well, for a while, then the guy that was playing Captain Jack was arrested by the police during a dinner shift on a Friday night. So it was full of kids. The Addison police come in because they had a warrant for his arrest. He's got a sword on him because it's part of his costume. And they're dragging him through. What was he arrested for? Uh, he had probably like a warrant for like drugs or something. I don't know. I mean, it was one of those like, we were all servers, like pre-college, in college, ne'er-do-well. Definitely like, drugs. Living our lives. Yeah. And he is drug out by, but then he never broke character. <laughs> and he was like, you'll never take Captain Jack. And they're like, get his sword, get his sword. He was like, not my sword. That's great. Is there a run where we're going? Was and they, he really arrested or was that? all planted he was really that's arrested. a good bit no we all had to take over a section it fucking sucked he actually got arrested but all the people in the room were like what a great show you guys are awesome and we're like that guy do you guys want to give us some bail money for him because he's gonna be locked up but he to his credit never broke character nice he was in jail and he's forgetting beaten like captain jack would never <laughs> surrender you, you may beat me but i'll never walk the plank exactly that's exactly what he sounds like Another bizarre false memory attributed to the Mandela effect is that of the 16th century King of England, King Henry VIII. Many people online insist that there exists a classic painted portrait of the king standing regally with a turkey or chicken drumstick in one hand. However, no such portrait has ever been found to exist. Some have taken to Photoshop and recreated the image, but as far as the real true classic painting featuring the monarch with a drumstick in his hand, everyone has come up like the king empty-handed that would be a hilarious painting also kind of mean i saw what has to be a photoshop picture of this i'm like (laughs) it's just so ridiculous well to me it seems like there's only it could only be photoshopped it's so dumb looking but also i mean medieval time style everybody was just eating animal parts with their hands back then maybe he was medieval times the restaurant (laughs) that's what i'm saying that that's what i was picturing maybe he was in the middle of dinner and he's like you can paint my picture, but I will not put down my meat. I mean, that like, sounds right. Fine, sir. Okay, just do what you got to do. <laughs> That's me as a model in an art class. <laughs> <laughs> but that is such a, an, again, like, if this existed, someone would have it. For sure. Why keep it a secret? That's the best painting ever. You'd, put that you'd in make all, a ton of money if you own that. Put it in all the museums. Yes. It would become my new favorite painting. It'd be my wallpaper. For, for all the things. Well, also On people, my walls and... And, and on your phone. phone. And your yeah. phone. Well, people argue that because chickens and turkeys are native to North America, it could be it was impossible. But apparently mm. guinea fowl actually were okay. in the UK and were approximately that size. Look at the little online sluice figuring oh, that man. one out. People are like, he couldn't have eaten a turkey leg because turkeys are from America. They're like, it wasn't a friggin' 
turkey, you ass. It was guinea fowl. I'm like, what? How much Reddit's time? Reddit's a great place. How much energy you must have <laughs> to get into those arguments? Well, the beloved children's character, Curious George, is a mischievous little monkey who goes on adventures with his handler, the man in the yellow hat. As a monkey, it stands to reason that Curious George would have a tail. Indeed, many people online distinctly remember the little rascal depicted in film, books, and various merchandise sporting a thin tail. But, curiously, when one looks at Curious George books and cartoons, but curiously, when one looks at Curious George books and cartoon depictions, he no longer has a tail. Is this another example of alternate timelines? Was George's tail present in the other timeline? Only to be removed in ours. Don't you watch Curious George? With a lot it? of it. Yes. What's your take? Um, this. The next thing I'm about to say. Just because you're a professor, this woman does not know what she's talking about. <laughs> and clearly, does not have kids because they refer to him as a monkey all of the damn time so in much. the cartoon. There's his Christmas special, which I have seen many times. There's a whole song called "The Christmas Monkey," and it's just a. They say monkey. In fact, at the end, they make a joke about, I think this song had the Christmas word monkey mentioned in it more times than any other Christmas song in the world. He's a fucking monkey. He's so cute. Well, according to Professor Christina Kilgrove, who said in an interview with Forbes that George was never a monkey. Monkeys have tails. George was most likely an ape. She wrote... His living in trees in Africa, his lack of tail, his coloring and depiction, his opposable big toes, and his inquisitive nature. I like to think of him as a juvenile chimpanzee. Well, great. We all like to think of things, but <laughs> that doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Why would they call him a monkey in the show if their intention was for him to be a chimpanzee? I'm not. She's in- just making shit up. I can double check what kind of professor she is, but when I, I am passionate about this, I, I, I don't know why. Saw Jane Goodall speak, and you could ask cute questions, and someone said, "What was it like when the monkeys gave you a hug?" She screamed at him <laughs> and was like, "They're apes, not monkeys." So it's the to the so people, I'm like Jane Goodall, but reversed. But reversed. I was gonna say, but to the people that it matters to. They will write a whole article in Forbes about it. You know what I mean? To someone who's that type of uh, zoologist or something, they are so impassioned that you can't, they can't not correct someone. I should also write an article in Forbes about how she's wrong. Because you are a Curious George expert. She may be an ape expert, but you're a Curious George expert. Exactly. Yes. yes. Professor Maybe. Wallace. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you. God, that sounds good. If look he, at your sweater. You're already a professor. I am. I do look like a professor. If he was an ape, they wouldn't call him a monkey in the show. Yeah, I think that it would be more accurate. You would think. Why do you think they took the tail away? Because I don't think he ever had a tail. That's an alternate timeline. Well, according to Redditors, there was a time this alleged ape had a tail. At 20 minutes and 40 seconds in season one, episode 21 of Friends, the one with the fake Monica, Rachel holds her curious George doll and his backside is visible to the camera. That backside clearly features a tail. Some Redditors have pointed to this as proof that at least as early as the 1995 episode of Friends, George did have a tail. Friends? I've, I've seen this. Cracked it open. They, um, gosh, I mean, we owe a lot to Friends. and this <laughs> For is just, a lot of reasons. This is one thing. Maybe he did and maybe they just took it away. I don't know. It's weird to think that everyone knows, like, it's that question of, is it your mind just filling in blanks? Maybe they... Maybe it started to look, uh, maybe it was just difficult to draw or it was easier to like animate him without one. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That would save a lot of time. I, I, this is not one that 
resonates with me as remembering him it's, having it's a tail or not. I just know in current cartoons, they call him a monkey. He does not have a tail. He swings around by his feet. I just had a sad thought. He died and this is a new one? No, what if he had a monkey tail accident? Oh, well, then they should have addressed that in the <laughs> in the show. In fact, they should do an episode <laughs> that only no ever all kids would be like, "What is happening right now?" But adults would be like, "Finally, they're the addressing the no tail, tail versus no tail." Yeah, poor baby. No, this it makes is me also sad. something that's addressed in the movie. Okay, I want to hear about it at the end. Well, there are many other instances throughout pop culture where the Mandela effect has caused us to be absolutely sure of something that can be proven to the contrary. What does Darth Vader famously say to Luke Skywalker? Most people believe it is, Luke, I am your father. But in fact, he says, No, I am your father. Similarly, the famous line from the Forrest Gump remembered as, Life is like a box of chocolates. Was, in fact, Mama always said that life was like a box of chocolates. And while the evil queen in Snow White may be quoted as saying, Mirror, mirror on the wall. She actually says, Magic mirror on the wall. Interesting. It's, you know what's funny is we saw the Forrest Gump bench and a guy, the guy from the UK sat down on it and he said, take my picture. Life is like a box of chocolates. And I was like, you dumb bastard. <laughs> no, it's not. Just say, uh, let me subscribe you right now because we're about to address this. I was like, I'm going to blow your friggin' ding dang mind. The only one I didn't know about until researching this was the mirror mirror on the wall. Mm-hmm. I knew that we were wrong about the Luke Skywalker and... Forrest Gump, but I did not know she said magic mirror on the wall. Doesn't flow as well. I have a theory about these things. What? I think that the collective consciousness thinks they would sound better like this. Yes. And so you just rewrite it in your brain and then it just kind of starts catching on and Mm -hmm. eventually because it mirror mirror on the wall sounds better than magic mirror on the wall mm-hmm. so flows. then you just yeah it flows better that's kind of what you want it to say and again your brain thinks oh that would sound better that's what it should say it's logic and mixed it, with it, you start connecting these dots and then before you know it you rewrite your own history i bet that's what it is or it's alternate <laughs> or we're all living in the fucking matrix Famous cannibal, Hannibal Lecter, is frequently mimicked with his signature catchphrase, Hello, Clarice. But in fact, he never said that in the movie. He greets Jodie Foster's character with the simple, Good morning. It's so polite. Such a good film. Oh, yeah. They had fake ones at both wax museums I went to. So that makes me nervous just to look at it. That movie. Wax museums are nightmarish. You get so close to it and you're like, it's going to touch me. I don't like wax museums. But I remember watching that way too young and it was... Oh, it's very man. scary. It's that, such a good I haven't flick. seen it in a while, but I think it would probably still creep me out. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's very good. Beloved children's show, Mr. Rogers, has an unforgettable theme. But while most people sing, It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. For decades, Mr. Rogers actually sang, It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. And speaking of songs, many people believe that Queen's Anthem played at the end of Victoria's sporting event performances, or my wedding. Oh, I want to hear more about that. <laughs> ends, we are the champions of the world. When, in fact, the band only says, of the world. Earlier in the song, at the bridge, I had to go back and listen to this because I was like, no. no. And it doesn't. 
But again, our brain, it sounds better. What a punch at the end of that song if it was of the world. Somebody needs to remix it. Yeah. And then, so you, that's what you wanted to say. And we all rewrote it. Yeah. At the end of our ceremony, uh, before we, when, you know, we're announced and we're about to walk back down the aisle, that's what song we chose to have played. So, oh, so not in the reception. That's in the ceremony. Oh, yeah. That oh, was, I love that. That was as we walked back down the aisle. My sister and Aaron did pronounced the, husband and wife. What is it? Uh, I'm a believer from the Shrek. It was so cute. Oh, that's cute. It was really good. I like that when the recessional is a fun song. All, uh, all of our, well, I wouldn't say fun, but like I didn't walk down to like Here Comes the Bride. Canon and D or whatever. Um. Yeah. What'd you walk down to? I walked down to... Shake that ass. Yeah. Watch yourself. <laughs> shake that ass. Show me what you're working with. Yeah. Um, I think it's shake your yeah, ass. Oh, God. Mandela <laughs> We affecting. just found a new one. A new one. Um, I walked down the aisle to the instrumental version, uh, the orchestral version of Ben Folds, The Luckiest. Oh, I love it. It was... Uh, I'm, I could cry thinking about it right now. And then all of our music, like during cocktail hour before the ceremony, was um, uh, orchestral, like pop, pop songs. Oh, I love those. I used to listen yeah. to those to study in law school. Yeah, they're very good. It's I so had nice. a lot of fun putting together the, the, the playlist for the DJ. It's good because your brain recognizes the melody, yes. but then it's not. So it's comforting, but it's not distracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It was. We then then the reception was a lot of Queen, a lot of Beyonce, a lot of nineties hip hop. Did you have a DJ that you yeah. gave a list to? Uh we gave a list of like artists that we liked and then we he was like, Give me a list of songs you definitely don't want to Did you play. have the band list? I'm um, so it I was love, so long. Does it really? I was like, I love people's wedding band lists because I like someone that's like, I don't want to hear what I don't know. Uh, Shake I'll ass. have to find it. That was not. That was. I put that top at the of top my of the do list. playlist. God, I love it. Tommy doesn't care about a lot of things, but he did have several songs on that band list. I should find it and post it on Patreon because there were a ton. I <laughs> Looking back, hear. I probably shouldn't have put some on because, like, I didn't want any of the traditional like the chicken dance no. or any of that shit. But people kind of like that. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um. People like cheesy. We, yeah, we didn't have any of that. But then I had like, I was like flat out banned all B-52s. Oh, yeah. Love Shack, <laughs> get out of my face. <laughs> there were a lot of, of just like, not just songs, but like the entire catalog of an artist. <laughs> <laughs> banned. You're banned forever. You're banned. Yeah, you're banned. That's awesome. I do want to, f- I know I have that in an email. Our DJ was fantastic. Oh, um, for sure. I want to read your I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna find <laughs> It's pretty fun. We need to make a Spotify playlist that's just your band Of my list. band list? Yeah. It would be... A couple hours days there were, long there were there was quite a bit on there that's awesome yeah. well i love that that was your your walk down the, your recessional was we are the champions but not yes. of the world no it wasn't that's crazy did you before we started researching for this would you have said that that was the last line of the song in my head when i sing it yes but then when i started researching this i sang it again i was like that is right yeah because yeah. it fades out kind of yeah it's it, it's just yeah i i mean I remembered that I was remembering it wrong, mm-hmm. but I would like it to say on the world. I think we need a remix. Yeah, man. Freddie, is he still around? No, sadly. No. Very much not. While you may remember Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd and Daffy Duck as being characters on Looney Tunes, spelled T-O-O-N-S, it has in fact always been Looney Tunes, spelled T-U-N-E-S, despite memories to the contrary. 
To further blow your mind, another cartoon legend and preventer of forest fires, Smokey the Bear, is actually just Smokey Bear without the the. He doesn't even have a middle name of the. <laughs> I did not know that one. I, I always thought you. it was Smokey the Bear. For, I would have bid like, I bet you $500 at Smokey yeah, the Bear. Yeah. So sure. Because it's even only you can prevent forest fires. That's Smokey the Bear telling you that, right? Yes. Smokey the Bear says, I think even in that, that ad, they say Smokey that. the Bear. I think it says Smokey the Bear. Does it say Smokey the Bear? Smokey Bear? Smokey Bear. That's allegedly, that's... Hmm. What time wow, I Wow, that's in. crazy. Depends. I remember the Looney Tunes I found out as a kid because... Watching it come across the screen, I thought, tunes, like cartoons, it's spelled wrong. And I thought, that's so dumb that they spelled that wrong. What a pretentious little shit. <laughs> Not thinking, oh, I remembered wrong. God, I thought, none of these idiots at, wow. uh, could could spell check this thing. Nice typo, dummies. It's fun when you think about it, the play on words that they did with yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's a lot of songs in it. Well, many of us remember the Monopoly man as a dapper businessman in a top hat with a monocle over one eye. But he has no eyewear at all. Perhaps we got him mixed up with that other suave-dressed gentleman, Mr. Peanut. I broke this news to Shannon while on our Los Angeles trip. Did she get a monocle? Yeah, I said, oh, you know, it's like the Monopoly man doesn't have a monocle. And she's like, what? Yes, he does. Oh, God, wait, no. <laughs> but it's funny, that feeling where you think, huh? What? Yeah. Wait, It's what? like your whole... You're like short-circuiting. Your whole world kind of gets shaken up a bit. You get yeah. short-circuited. It makes you doubt yourself, which is not a good feeling to have. Like Don with his Kazam, Shazam videos. Mm-hmm. God, poor Don. Oh, Somebody better childhood. Don. <laughs> Where is Don? It said Don, who requested we use an anonymous name in this article. Yeah, because like, he is deep into he this. Shook. He knows shit. He's found out stuff he doesn't. He should not know at this He's point. creating a time machine. Logos are also not immune from false memories either. Double stuff Oreos only has one F. Jeff Peanut Butter has always been spelled J-I-F and was never called Jiffy. There is no cornucopia behind the Fruit of the Loom logo, and the orange square cracker snack box reads Cheez-It, not Cheez-Its, with an S. I would have told you that there's a cornucopia behind Fruit of the Loom. I think I would have, too. For sure. And I know Jiff was never Jiffy, because Choosy Moms choose Jiff. I think that is a case of people getting Skippy and Jiff mixed up and getting Jiffy. Uh, So it's understandable. And also, double stuff doesn't make sense while there's only one F. I think that's people's brains. Should, there should be three, quite honestly. Yeah, or like five. Yeah. Double stuff. Yeah. <laughs> At least two, because that's double is two. Yeah. I don't know whose idea that was, but it was wrong. I don't know. Who, what is it? Who? Nabisco? Nabisco. Maybe. Email someone at Nabisco. Maybe there was like a, another mark, like a conflicting mark or something that someone has double stuff for nefarious purposes. Yeah, I think doublestuff.com is not <laughs> about Oreos. <laughs> Taken. Damn it. <laughs> like, oh, so is three Fs and four and five and six. Mm, down you to one. Like you can only do one F. Back to the one. They're like, none of these websites only have one F. <laughs> <laughs> none of them have one X either. <laughs> so how could we possibly be so absolutely sure of so many things that are provably false? According to Scholarpedia.org, there are several factors that can cause false memories. First is inaccurate perception. In many cases, the initial impression of the memory is false or created in less than ideal circumstances. This leads to false encoding, meaning the act of the brain saving the memory is in itself corrupt. Many instances of false eyewitnesses in criminal cases can be attributed to inaccurate perception. While someone may have believed they saw a person well over six feet tall, Video footage may reflect a person who is barely 5'9". Things like issues with vision, low lighting conditions, distance from the subject, and mental state of the witness, such as dementia or alcohol abuse, 
also contribute to false perceptions. If you want a cl- classic case of this, my cousin Vinny, when they think they see, mm-hmm. the witness thinks they see something, when you walk them through it, they're not wearing their glasses. Or And this is, unfortunately, the case in many criminal cases. Yeah, our memories are garbage. That's why eyewitness accounts, I'm not saying they're not valid, but a lot of times... You, can't, you shouldn't be convicting someone just over an eyewitness no, account. it's horrifying. Well, so I had walking pneumonia this last week, and so I had to stay home. I watched so many hours of The First 48, which is oh, the crime the show. Oh, love So yeah. good. But they, you know, if you haven't watched it, they follow an initial homicide, and then the detectives have to find as much evidence in the first 48 hours. Otherwise, statistically, the chances of solving it goes down to 50%. Very, very down. So it's like way less. But there were cases in that where there's, Video footage of, in one case, it was kind of like a carjacking. He was like selling a car on the internet. And there's video footage of the victim and his girlfriend talking to the suspect. And it's on camera at the Whataburger. You see them all talking. And three or four days later, they go to this girlfriend and show, not the surveillance photo, but like show his mugshot or his driver's license photo in a photo lineup, an array, and say, was this the man that you met at the Whataburger that you talked to? And she goes, it's none of those men. It's none of those people. And it 100% was? Yeah, there's video footage of her talking to this guy. And she's like, I'm sorry, I just, I can't, I, I don't know. I just don't remember. I, I don't really clearly remember. That sounds remember. like some sort of PTSD. Well, maybe. but uh, Or your memory just sucks. I don't, I couldn't tell you what the flight attendant on the flight today looked like. And I talked to her maybe six times and I spent four solid hours with her or three and a half hours with her on the flight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm, you're distracted. You're thinking about something else. She didn't think this is going to be the guy that kills my boyfriend. Yeah. She was just like, hey, some fucking guy is going to buy a car. I don't know. Whatever. He's about six foot tall. He's this race. He's wearing a, she goes, I think he was wearing a white shirt and it was like, there was some red and green colors on it. And it, th- she was right about the shirt, but his distinct facial features, she just was like, I can't She's remember, which is so honest and it good and honest because a lot of times you see in these cases where they go it was that guy yeah. although there was another case we saw and this guy was so goofy looking his his ears were like needed to be pinned back he had mm. this crazy he just his face was you're like you wouldn't forget this much distinct and the other guy was just kind of your average looking guy and when they did the photo array with the first guy he goes man i don't know because it had been like a drive-by so they were right close to the window and the first one he goes man i don't know and the second one he opens the photo he goes that one right in the middle that's him <laughs> right there and me and Paris just cracked up i said i fucking told you that guy's face you can't commit crimes no. if you look like that if you're you can't, he you're was, gonna get caught if you have he looked like a, guess a cartoon who, character face guess who character to go out <laughs> and kill people was like, but it's but that guy at least was honest on the first run and was like you know i can't yeah. really pick anyone out but I fully believe that he recognized the second one. But it's that initial perception you have that if you think, I don't really need to remember. It's just my boyfriend's buying a car from somebody. Who cares? But then when you do start to get nervous and think, okay, I'm going to remember everything, then that's kind of a different feeling where your adrenaline's jacked up. Sure. But I think just average, especially if you're like, oh, I was really tired and stuff. The human brain's not going to remember that stuff. I'll be talking to someone I've known for years and I'll be like, have you always worn glasses? They're like, Yeah. <laughs> God damn. Wow. <laughs> like, when did you grow that beard? I've always had a beard. I've always Ugh. had a beard. Yeah. Like, I just don't register certain things like that. Yeah, I'd be terrible in a in an eyewitness account. Same. Same. And I think most humans are really self-centered. So we're thinking about ourselves yeah. and how we're feeling and where we're going and not, I'm going to memorize that you had almond-shaped eyes and a, you know, thin upturned right. nose. Never. Another cause of a false memory can be interference. External factors like speaking to other people who have experienced something reading about an event, or simply replaying an event in one's mind repeatedly, all have a way to replace a person's initial memory of an event. Memory expert and psychologist Elizabeth Loftus calls this the misinformation effect. 
Loftus told VeryWellMind.com. The misinformation effect refers to the impairment in memory for the past that arises after exposure to misleading information. The interview with Loftus recaps her famous experiment. Researchers showed participants footage of a traffic incident. Later, when questioning the subjects, the researchers played around with the words they used in questioning. For instance, some questions would use the word hit and others smash when referring to the incident. When questioned whether they had seen broken glass, the participants who had heard the word smashed answered affirmatively more than those who heard the word hit, despite there being no broken glass in the footage. This is why cross-examination and questioning witnesses and stuff like that, you can really manipulate a jury. Yeah. You can break somebody. Also, this is interrogation like false confession yeah interrogating mm-hmm. people and in making them uh gaslighting them essentially making the them think brain. that they their brain thinks that something that didn't happen we're all very malleable yes we are there are several reasons to explain the ease with which new information can interfere and create false memories the important information from the initial experience may not have been encoded in the brain meaning that new information can easily slip in to fill in the blanks in information Another factor may be that false information is presented last, meaning it is the most recent, making it easier to retreat. It's true. The last thing you hear is sometimes the thing you most remember, which just makes sense. I think last that, in burst out. Yeah. Yeah. To go back to what Loftus said about replaying an event, mm-hmm. if you remember something like I was saying how I'll replay the same events from my childhood, so they're very vivid to me. If you have the wrong event in your head and you replay it over and over, that just makes it even more vivid and real to where you're like, no, I 100% remember this happened. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Because it was yesterday when you thought about it. Yes, because you're constantly thinking about it, but you're thinking about the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Well, according to a study by Henry Rodiger, humans have a natural tendency to fill in the blanks when presented with incomplete information. For instance, in a widely recognized experiment called the Deese Rodiger McDermott Paradigm, people are verbally presented with a list of related words. For instance, bed, rest, tired, awake, dream, snore. Afterward, the subject is asked to remember the items on the list. When recalling the list, the subjects routinely would recall a related but non-presented word, like sleep, with the same frequency as presented words. Further, over half of the participants would absolutely insist that the word sleep was presented to them, despite documented evidence to the contrary. Yeah, you basically would have to play a tape back to someone and say, no, this was the actual list. I'm not fucking with you. Yeah. Because their brains were... They're so dug in. I think uh, another one was kind of like snow. Like they would say, ice, sled, winter, fall, flake. And then later they go, snow. And you're like, no, it wasn't on the list. That's so... It's a mind fuck. It is. But what's even more of a mind fuck is that you have to play that back for someone to believe you. Mm Mm-hmm. Because like, what they, is reality? Because no one wants to question their own judgment. But what if they edited the word out and they fucked with you? I don't think they did. No, I, I don't think, think so. I think, was, I think that, first of all, they'd all have their licenses revoked. That's true. It's a legit test. <laughs> but, <laughs> but wouldn't I that think, be fun? <laughs> but your, your brain does make these connections because it's like how you can... If you read, if you see a pair, a paragraph and 80% of the words are, the letters are eliminated, you can still read it. Yeah. Because your brain knows how to read those words and it fills in the gaps. It's crazy. Yep. It's just crazy the way it works that it's like you have this machine in between your ears that you trust because it's the only machine you have 
And it's so fallible. But it's not trustworthy. It's so fallible. Yeah. Ah. In a recent study covered in Ars Technica, participants were given the list of words as in the Dees-Rodiger-McDermott paradigm while in an MRI machine. Scientists studied the neuron firing patterns of when the brain was recalling the words on the list as when the brain was recalling the falsely remembered word. Remembering both words produced the same neural firing patterns, meaning the subject's brains lit up the same whether they were remembering yawn, which was on the list, or sleep, which they only thought was on the list. So it's so real to you. Yeah. It's chemically, scientifically real to you. So that's how people can be like, that's the guy that did it. And it's not the guy that did it. And they're... 100 percent i'd bet my life on yes. it yes bet my kid's life on it you want me to play this tape back to you that says that you didn't we never said sleep and yeah like, do, do it. it here's a knife put it to my kid's throat <laughs> you're like okay we're not gonna do that because you're totally wrong little billy doesn't deserve <laughs> but this. you're so dug in because you don't want to admit that admitting that you're wrong about something like that means that you could be wrong about so many other fundamental things that you hold so so dear it's crazy i think that it's your why... psyche could be is so fragile and broken and no one wants to think that that's possible but you remember it i read mary carr's the art of memoir and she's famous for writing three big memoirs called lit cherry and liars club and you know for instance liars club's about growing up in east texas and her dad was this oil man and he told all these stories and she kind of recounts that her dad was this famous liar kind of in the town but he was a storyteller and everybody loves it well she talks about in the art of memoir that she had written this whole draft and she went to her sister and she went to her mom and was like here's the draft here's things that happened and her sister's like oh that wasn't your birthday cuz your mm-hmm. birthday is in january we were in bathing suits that was totally a different time and you weren't 5 you were actually 7 cuz i remember you know and you're she she talks about in the book, I would have bet my life. I would have bet a million dollars. It was exactly as I remember it. And you have, oh, no, here's a picture of us. Remember, yeah. it's this cake that you're talking about. It was actually my birthday. But it's weird how your brain just goes and makes it somehow like fills in the blanks or yeah. paints it. It's And you believe it. You believe yeah. it. It's wild. Well, the scientists conclude that... The use of similar firing patterns to code for similar words and concepts may be a mechanism that the brain uses to increase its efficiency, storing like with like. Although this is an efficient system, as our brains only have so much storage space, the efficiency has a cost. The creation of false memories that feel just as real as the real thing. It's so weird. It just co- You just file it away and it's a, you file away a thing you made up as real. It's unsettling to me it's horrifying because it makes you question i think about this a lot because i think about death a lot eventually someone won't be around for me to ask hey when i was 10 years old uh what did we do for my birthday or hey what did uh aunt peggy used to do for a living like no one's going to be around to tell me these stories unless i write all this down i'm not going to I can't trust my own memory. And then I'm like, who then then where'd all those things go? It's it's weird as a person who writes a significant amount you know, in journals and then the, the small like blogs and stuff I post. I go back and read some of the journals I wrote in 2016. I have no recollection of writing them mm-hmm. or it'll, it'll come to me and I'll think, oh, oh, yeah, I did write that story. I did. for I did write that memory down. But do you remember it or do you just think you remember it? And I think I'm because that happens to me a lot when I like think I'm filling in the blanks and I'm remembering because I used to go to the same Starbucks in Addison because I used to work in Addison. Now I go yeah, I either write at home or I'll write at a different one. And 
it's weird because all that time frame where I wrote at that Starbucks in Addison, I probably sat in 15 different seats. But every single memory I have of writing, I say memory loosely, I have of writing there, I'm sitting in the exact same seat with mm-hmm. my back to the breeze to my face to the door. And there's the same old man reading the Wall Street Journal catty corner to me. So it's just so because that's what was imprinted on you. For it some must have reason. been yeah. a, a really just strong memory that I just happened to remember that one day. Yeah. It's weird that that's the one that clicked. Yeah. I'm all, I always think, how am I going to know what you what the past used to be? It's a great question. And I think that's why I'm so um, almost like hoarderish with writing down stories for my family and asking, you know, I have memory in my I, I should be because I have such a bad memory that there's already things the other day I was like, I don't. I can't, I don't know, like, who this person was to me, this, like, relative, or, like, what, I, I, like, I couldn't tell you, like, what my grandmother did, like, you know, when she uh, was a young girl, or, like, where she worked, and like, I want to know all of that stuff. you're like, how did my grandparents even meet? Yeah, like, all that stuff, and all my grandparents have passed away, so, like, I have to have someone tell me these things so I can write them down and Mm -hmm. document it, so I can pass it on to Ella. Yeah. Because it's just like in Coco... If you don't remember Uh-oh. it in the afterlife, then you then you don't, once you once you pass and you're not remembered anymore. If yeah. no one remembers you in the living world, then you can't exist in the afterlife because there's no one there to tell your memory and share your story. Oh, no, I'm getting really upset. <laughs> no, it's it is upsetting. But yeah, that's the question of almost existence too. Of like, yeah. if you're gone and no one speaks your name ever again, yes, then, did you ever exist? Yeah, that's one thing that the movie talks about oh the mandela movie the mandela movie talks a lot about um because well okay we're almost finished then i'm gonna talk about this stupid i've been waiting i've been waiting for this movie review what if all these false memories aren't false some online devotees of the mandela effect believe that these instances prove the divergence of alternate realities or timelines that we were traveling along a timeline wherein they were called the berenstein bears and at some point jumped the quantum physical track into the Berenstain timeline. Others believe we are living in a simulated reality, and these inconsistencies are glitches in the Matrix. The more I think about it, the more I think that we're in a simulation. But Well, then you probably like the Mandela effect, because that's the theory that they latch on to. One time, like five years ago, and I wasn't even on drugs, I listened to this podcast about quantum entanglement. String theory? And string theory, and I 100% understood it. And I've completely forgotten it. And if you ask me to explain it right now, I'd just be like, I don't know. I'd have to find that podcast again. It was so well explained and it made so much sense. And then I was explaining it to Leanne and she was just like, are you high right now? (laughs) I was like, no, you don't understand. But I really do feel like maybe I'm just more like attuned to it or I think about it more. But things, certain things happen that I dreamt that I will have dreamt like years ago. And it's deja vu that I'm not making it up like it is actual deja vu that happened that i can find a diary or a journal where i wrote i dreamt this and this and something similar happened it could just be if you're dreaming oh i you know tripped and scraped my elbow that's something that could happen over and over but distinct memories like i i kind of feel like i dreamt paris i say that jokingly to him all the time but before i bought this house i actually told my real estate agent I had a dream and I woke up with this person and he looked like this. And she's like, you don't know anyone that looks like that. But she said, that must mean that you feel very at home and you should buy that house. And Does so, it look like him? Yeah. 
that his like his skin tone and have and like his beard and his big eyes. I love his big brown eyes. Sorry, I'm just going to go on a rant about how cute Paris is. <laughs> but it's weird that and I could have just been and Paris is handsome. People literally stopped him at California Pete's Kitchen and like five different people were like, are you John Legend? Are you really? John? You look. I don't think he looks that much like John Legend, but apparently people do on the streets and I on Instagram. Looks like John. Legend. I don't think he looks like John, but whatever. Um, but maybe he that's i'm just attracted to him and how he looks and so it wasn't exactly him but there was one day we woke up and i was like i dreamt this i dreamt that we before i knew you i dreamt this but my sister does the same thing i we always talk about we like oh no i dreamt this i knew this would happen yeah that's happened to me i've done and i also uh my mom uh dreamt the movie the abyss oh wow yeah she made it up she like weeks before needs- it, it, the trailer or anything came out, she dreamt like an entire scene from That's the movie. That's crazy. Yeah, that movie's bonkers too. Well, scientists and psychologists would disagree. Associate Professor Jean Brewer told Mental Floss, "When you recall an event, you use memories around it, taking elements or pieces of other events and fitting them where they make sense." So are the seemingly crystal clear memories of Tom Cruise dancing in his tidy whities a white Oxford button-down and the Ray-Bans in Risky Business, Mona Lisa having been painted with a frown, or C-3PO being solid gold, just our memories playing tricks on us? Or are these globally shared memories anything but false? In the real timeline, Tom Cruise is wearing sunglasses. But in the movie, he is not. He's not wearing sunglasses, but ever, but he wears sunglasses a lot throughout that movie, and so our brains have made that that connection yes same with c-3po he has a silver leg that's right it's from like the knee down on mm-hmm. one side yeah 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 but most people don't ever pay attention to that so in your brain he just looks you solid just gold assume he's all gold so the movie okay the movie focuses well the, okay so it opens with this fam this father and uh mother and their like eight-year-old daughter at the beach Already, it's super heavy-handed. They're reading the Berenstain Bears. <laughs> She's got a curious George doll that has a tail. They're uh, playing Monopoly. The, maybe there is something else. I don't remember what it, but there is another thing right up top in this scene. Um, and the she, wife's like, "Honey, I love the beach." Do you remember when Nelson Mandela died in the prison <laughs> in the nineteen eighties? Yeah, of course, honey. Everyone remembers yeah. that. So the little girl. Uh, goes off to look for shells and the mom's like where are you going and she's like oh we're we're she's talking she's carrying the curious george doll by the tail very pointed (laughs) and the mom's like all right well just don't get in the water well she puts the doll down on the sand while she's digging the tide comes in the doll gets the monkey gets carried out yeah the monkey gets carried (laughs) out into the sea and she goes out to get it Next thing is she. It's a scene cut to her funeral. Oof. So she clearly, Yikes. she clearly drowned. Yeah. Okay. So that's sad. Well, very quickly, there's not a lot of lead up to this guy just going full on bonkers into the whole Mandela like, effect. I think we're in an alternate timeline. Wait, what? Yeah. It was. It was very quick. Like within the first ten minutes of the movie. So he, you know, they're grieving. Although it's very lukewarm grieving i kept complaining about that specifically the mother but they uh dad is you know going through the little girl's books and he sees it says uh baron stain and he's like what what is this all of a sudden the the wife's brother shows up drunk one night at the house (laughs) they start 
uh, he and the dad start, who is clearly grieving more than the mother is. He's like, hey, remember those those kids books about the bears? And the brother's like, who is staying the night there because he can't drive. And he's like, yeah, the Berenstein. He's here having a very lucid conversation. So I have a question. In this, the two universes in our timeline is Berenstein and then Berenstein. And there's, it's Berenstein and Berenstein? Yes. Okay, it's a lot to keep track of. (laughs) It sure is. It sure is. So then he's like, yeah, that's what I thought. But check this out. He goes to get his daughter's book. And the guy's like, oh, that's crazy. And somehow the guy is, the dad is like, looked online at this and discovered the Mandela effect. And throughout the whole movie, it's peppered with like the Looney Tunes stuff or the Monopoly and all this crap. He gets obsessed with it, arguably, because he can't deal with the grief of his daughter. So he just throws himself into this. And he finds this professor at some university. This is where shit gets confusing. Professor Convenience. And I was like, what is happening? And Tommy's like, honestly, I couldn't explain it to you. Oh, the guy's also a video game coder. So he knows about code. Okay. Long story short, he decides that we're all living in a simulated reality. Okay. And that he can write code to break the code of the universe. And jump the track back. And therefore bring his daughter back. Or maybe just, like, fucks things up. I don't know. It sounds like he's trying to play good. So, yeah. So, uh, conveniently, this professor, played by um, one of the leads from The Wire, which was much better than this. (laughs) Wire is one of my top five all-time favorite shows. Taking a step down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He has this, like, supercomputer at this university. He's also a drunk, so he can't have access to the university computer. It's a whole thing. They let him have a job, but not computer access. (laughs) I think he's been fired. It's all none of it's really explained. Well, the computer, the video game coder dad starts writing this code. Meanwhile, his relationship with his wife is falling apart. He writes this code and it brings his daughter back. All of a sudden, and the whole time he's been like hearing his daughter or he'll see like glitches where like he'll see his daughter and it'll be like, you know, a glitch on a computer screen. His daughter will appear, but the wife doesn't see it. He writes this code. The whole thing is like, it gave it back to me because I was getting too close. It gave me my daughter back. So she's now back in this timeline. Okay. But now the wife's going crazy. Because the wife's like, no, she died. And because it's like the butterfly effect. You trade one thing for something else. Mm. Yeah. But so the wife remembers the funeral, but then her kid is alive. It's never really explained. Oh, God. Come on. (laughs) No. No. All of a sudden he wakes up. The daughter's back. Everyone's accepting it. He's like calling friends like to test it out. Like, yeah, Sam wanted to know uh, if you were going to come over later. And like everyone, no one's like, your daughter has been dead for six months. They all accept this okay, new reality. Yeah. So but then like his wife starts to lose her mind and she starts like screaming at the kid. You shouldn't be here. The guy, the dad's just like, hey, I'm going to take off for a bit to go find the, like. <laughs> Nobody is helping anyone. Like there's so much like unaddressed mental health happening in the movie. Everyone seems very isolated. It's very it's very and have bizarre. substance abuse issues. It's so stupid. And then at the end, like uh basically he tries to rewrite the code to take it back and he just fucks up the whole world and everything starts glitching out and they all end up in darkness. That's it? Then at the end, so it all ends up in darkness. <laughs> Last shot of the movie. As soon as it started, well, painting most movies end on a black screen. But th- well, it like <laughs> blacked out and then it cuts back. Okay. 
to the same beach scene oh, from, from the, the beginning. beginning. And I turn to Tommy, I go, this fucking monkey's going to not have a tail this time. <laughs> and sure enough, it's like the whole first scene played out again. And then the girl gets up and she's like, we're going to go look for shells. And the monkey does not have a tail in this universe. And she starts walking off with it. And then the dad says, hey, Sam, leave George here with us. And she throws it back to him. So then the monkey can't be taken out by the tide. And in this world, she's not going to go out after the monkey and drown. So it rewinded time. Who fucking knows, Heather? I don't know. <laughs> this movie sucked my my the, my soul out of my body. It was so dumb. The whole time I could have been watching Succession, which I'm very into right now. Just the trailer for that looked fantastic. I was, I was also very sick at a horrible stomach virus for 48 hours. And Tommy has been watching. He's already finished both seasons. And I was like i'm gonna start watching it he's re-watching it with me so good that's what i'm saying God the trailer it. so it's good. rip torn isn't that right rip torn rip torn rip the guys torn? uh-uh who's the main guy uh <laughs> it's not rip torn. who's the main guy steven something i think his name is joseph scott or some shit he just won something in the golden globes last oh, night oh did he really yeah is rip torn they- dead brian cox looks exactly like rip torn <laughs> brian cox that's it uh, he is not ripped torn. They're the same person. <laughs> not even a little and bit. In this timeline. If, if you, if you watch it, you'll be like, uh, that, I was wrong. Look at that. First thing people said, you ever get ripped torn and Brian Cox mixed up? Is that really the first hit that yeah. came up? I typed in Brian Cox. Rip I've torn. never thought that he looked like ripped torn. He certainly does not act like ripped torn, but it's fantastic. So don't waste your time on the Mandela effect. I just told you everything you need to know. Do go spend some time on succession because it's, it's great. So what do we think, Heather? Well, I think that it's definitely a case of glitches in the matrix and alternate (laughs) timelines because I am a Shazam truther and I really do think I saw that movie. Do you or do you are you just confused because you saw the thing at the beginning of the Shaq movie? I don't know. And because I've never seen the Shaq movie. But did you see the Sinbad the Sailor thing? I would never have watched Sinbad the Sailor tra- movies. Maybe not watched In them, but like you've seen things about them. I don't think so. I remembered it. Well, it doesn't exist. It's so real. Somehow you had to me and Dawn are going to team up and we're going to find <laughs> Dawn. Gonna... Dawn, aka Sinbad. He's just trolling <laughs> everybody. Him. I think it's definitely a case of just our memories playing tricks on us. Our brains are trash. Our brains are trash. Yeah. I'd like to think that it's an alternate reality, but I'm not that type of person that would, I usually think it's the the simpler, more Occam's razor explanation. There are simultaneous timelines that are all going on at the same time and they fracture into infinite, infinitesimal more timelines based on each choice that we make. Like Sliding Doors. That's a movie that I read about but I've never seen. Don't. It's awful. I told you how. I thought it was... I was like, this movie is so good. And then Tommy and I started dating and I made him watch it. And halfway through, I was like, I'm so sorry. This movie sucks. I, I made don't a know. huge mistake. It doesn't suck. It's... She, Gwyneth Paltrow is not great in it. And she plays herself twice. Oh, God. But, twice the Gwyneth. Yeah, twice the Gwyneth. It's like a Stefan Steve Urkel mm-hmm. situation. You got to have an actor that's as good as your little white to pull <laughs> that off. That's true. That's true. You can't just have a Gwyneth Paltrow. 
Well, that's uh, the Mandela effect. Let us know what you guys think. It's an interesting thing to think about, if if nothing more than that. I think also the fascination of the human brain and how we do fill in the blanks and especially the application to criminal justice and, and witnesses and on the stand being able to actually manipulate the answers of a person that you're questioning mm-hmm. based on the words that you use and carefully saying when the car smashed into the other car what do you remember seeing and you can be implanting something yeah. in someone's brain yep i think how we all know it's not alternate timelines is no one on a witness stand has ever tried to say has ever tried to give the um the scenario or plead innocent because it, this was all due to a parallel universe. You don't understand. I was not here. I got thrust into this universe. The book from, said Berenstein. There was a glitch. Now I'm here. I did not do this. My uh, Myself and my other timeline, totally innocent. Has did a mustache. This person. That's how you know it's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So Although I would love to see somebody try to use that as a, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? A defense. Defense. Yeah. Yeah. The parallel universe defense. That'd be great. That yep. should be a movie that should be written. Starring Sinbad. <laughs> Well, Sinisterhood will always remain free, but if you wish to donate to our Patreon to help offset the costs of making and hosting the show, you can visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Patreon in the top right corner. You'll get some sweet perks like Patreon-exclusive content, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group, a special shout-out on the show, and a monthly bonus mini-sode. We also have a fun weekly content called Mixed Bag, where Christy and I tell fun stories about something we've experienced, something we've read, written, read about, listened to, watched. It's really anything. One time, Christy covered some pretzels she loved, and I... I was mouthwatering. I mean, I can't uh, You know how many have people I've gotten to eat those pretzels? I get DMs daily. You're on a street team. From, <laughs> this is a grassroots movement <laughs> by me. Uh, people that are like, I did not know how a pretzel could change my life until I bit into a Dots pretzel. Look at that. I so, got several bags for Christmas. It's awesome. And so we cover anything we want. So it's another way for us to take some of our fun conversations and banter off the air, especially when they're uh, reasonably off topic. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your special shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. We love them. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag of your own, like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop in the top right corner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps small podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at on that computer? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I am on Instagram at Heather versus the world and on Twitter at MCK versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. And keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Jennifer Bond. Carrie Balsley. Caitlin Walsh. Jessica Peterson. Stephanie Perry. Jessica Patel. Katie Sharman Smith. Amanda Fontaine. Nay, nay. Grace Brigard. Kinsey Brinkman. Thank you so much, guys. We literally could not do this without you. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Keep it creepy. Wahahaha. Switching it up. Sin